Welcome to the favorites, the podcast. Listen, we've got a real legend here in the studio today, Paul Laduca. How are we doing, Paulie? I'm doing so well, Chad. I don't know if you saw. Listen, Darren Ravel, maybe. The fastest man on the planet. <laughs> there is now Diet Coke all over Blackjack Fletcher's microphone. <laughs> and I, I would want to say that Diet Coke is not only have high fructose corn syrup, it has some other stuff in there as well. It's got vodka in it, Paul. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the favorites. <laughs> This is uh, this is a new experience because for the first time ever, me and Paul are in studio together, looking each other in the eye as we do this. You're an ugly son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a journey for us, but we're here. Um, also, we have a special guest joining us right now, Dan Rubenstein, collaborator at the Action Network, uh, man of the world in the borough yes. of Brooklyn. Uh, he just got a haircut today, so... I hope you can hear that when it comes through. Danny, how you doing, buddy? I am feeling fresh. I am feeling energized. And I am legitimately disappointed I'm not in the studio with you. I am too, Danny. I am too. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first thing I have to ask you about, um, Chad Millman 2.0 mentioned it off the top of the show. Darren Ravel did a video yesterday. And uh, I, I have to talk about it because it's disturbed me to a great degree. <laughs> Um, he went to Nike's headquarters here in New York City and ran a 20-yard dash in, what was it, 4.04 seconds? So about an 8-second 40-yard dash. Dan, I've never seen a human being no, 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 no. Time out, time with out, a time shorter out. stride. Time, time out, time out. He was not picking up speed, so it was not going to be 8 seconds. So go ahead and ask the question. Okay, so Paul, Paul right. thinks that that time may be more like, what, 9? Yes, he was okay. slowing down. He was that. slowing down. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Danny, have you ever seen a human being with a shorter stride than Darren Ravel? <laughs> when I watch this, and I'm, this, is, this is where my mind is at right now, if an alien came down to Earth and went to the NFL Combine and then went back to his or her home planet, its home planet, and it took years, and the aliens back on the home planet were like, what is it like? What, what do human beings look like when they run? The alien trying to remember from years earlier what human beings look like running is what I imagine Darren Ravel is the equivalent of. He is an alien trying to replicate human form unsuccessfully. I don't even know how to respond to that. (laughs) Isn't the object supposed to be your, your feet are supposed to leave the ground? There's... It's it's the first time I've ever seen anybody power walk run. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> if you told me if you told me Darren has is missing a hamstring and an Achilles, it would make more sense. Okay, well we like broke he's down two pretty major muscle groups. Well, we broke it down a little bit. Because Paul went over this thing like the Zapruder film, yeah, like, frame by frame. Yeah, yeah. Arm swings compared to leg swings, what do you think the ratio was? Even, you think? There is so much more action happening than there is force moving forward. It almost yes. doesn't make sense from a physiological standpoint. So he'd be almost the Louis Tion of running the 20. 
Yes. Just all over the place. That is correct. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, now that I'm I'm rewatching it, you know how people, you know how, like, agoraphobic people who, like, don't want to leave the house ever and are, they, they can sometimes, their clothing can get stuck to their chair or their bed uh-huh. because they're on there so long, the fibers sort of connect. Darren looks like what would happen if somebody's house were to, to go up in flames and they had to detach themselves from their own chair <laughs> without having used any of their muscle fibers in literal years, and they had to run for their lives. I am so glad we had Danny on today because I didn't even have to really bury Ravel. He's done it for me. Um, it's, it's remarkable. <laughs> All right, Danny. So thank you for helping us break yes. down that thank you. awful video. Of course. Um, but one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is because you are the star of a new podcast from the people over at Wondery and the brilliant men at Blue Duck Media, uh, called Sports Wars. Uh, and uh, for those of you who haven't listened to it, you've got, what, four episodes out now, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. And they are spectacular. Uh, and basically, this first series is um, on Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and kind of their relationship and rivalry in Green Bay, right? This is correct. Yeah, four episodes are out, and it's, I mean, I, I have nothing to do with it beyond hosting it and editing some of the script stuff, but the production value is, is pretty great. It drops you back into the 90s and the mid-2000s as you know, Aaron Rodgers is waiting and waiting and waiting to start and how Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers actually have kind of similar backgrounds, which I, I assume makes the frustration even larger on Aaron Rodgers' part as he waits. And, you know, it, it's hard for the two of them because they're so apart in age to really relate to each other and you can only get one quarterback on the field and you have this icon and this guy that everybody wants to to get onto the field so there's all sorts of natural tension that plays out sort of slowly which is kind of crazy in sports with everything moving so quickly you're talking about years and years of just this building and building element to their relationship and so that's what we try to, to drop into and it's really easy to forget a lot of what happened between them and then the timeline of everything. So hopefully we did a pretty good job of bringing you back to that point. You know, when you, Danny, when you do these things, do you realize, or I guess I'm putting it the wrong way. Like, do some of these things surprise you or does it like sort of put you somewhat in the locker room a little bit? It does. And we talked to Jeff Perlman who wrote like the authoritative Brett Favre book. And he was really uh, hammering home the point that it's not necessarily that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers hated each other. It's basically Aaron Rodgers is drafted and he's what, 21, 22. Brett Favre is 35, 36. And as Favre is getting older and he's getting, you know, to be about 40 and Rodgers is 24, 25, like how many 40 year olds are truly like relating to 25 year olds? You know, Favre has kids and he's married and Rodgers is sort of like a, a brainy loner type. And, I mean, Paul, you've been in locker rooms. It's not that everybody needs to be best friends. It's, it's not even that you need to relate to each other. It's just that you sort of need to get along. But the two of them playing the same position, you know, Aaron Rodgers is getting just sort of, he's getting antsy. And that sort of, that, that adds to the tension, the fact that they're just, they're from different eras. They see the game a little bit differently. And you, you have this weird thing where all of a sudden having 50 people in a locker room, you have some guys saying, yeah, the Favre thing is, you know, it was great in the 90s and early 2000s, but, like, we're kind of due for a reboot. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Favre loyalists who are saying to themselves, like, I don't know, this guy's never had a losing season. Like, how much can we criticize mm-hmm. this guy? Why are we trying to force this guy out? 
And then that's when things start to like form into faction. So that to me is fascinating that you have all of these different these different minds because football is such a you know a, a large sport roster wise. I think that was pretty fascinating. Yeah, Danny, and I gotta say you, you do a great job of uh, really kind of bringing the uh, you can you can feel the tension. When you, when you listen to the podcast, like in the first episode, you talk about Rodgers sliding in the draft. And obviously, I know he goes 24 to Green Bay. But when you're talking about, you know, the Buccaneers are on the clock at 5 and there's teams at 11 and 14, I'm like, oh, maybe he's going to go now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe his phone's going to ring, <laughs> even though I know it's not going to. So you, you right. do a great job with that. But let me ask you this question. You've, you've obviously been doing this show now and you've been talking a lot about it and you've, you've looked a lot into this relationship. Do you find yourself leaning to become more of a Rogers guy and like hating your family or are you more of a Favre guy and you're just sending dick pics out? I think I'm a natural Rogers who wants to be a Favre. That's what I think. Wow. I, I, will, I will hold grudges. <laughs> I will. Um, I watch a lot of Jeopardy, which I think Rogers does a ton of. He was, I think he won celebrity Jeopardy. Um, so I'm probably closer to Rogers. Um, without any of the natural athletic talent. Um, but there is something about the way Favre lives. Just He wants to just hang out in Mississippi. He wants to ride his ATV around. He wants to go hunting and fishing. Um, does he want to send out inappropriate pictures of his genitals? Yeah, he'll do that. You know, that's what you get when you sign up for the Favre lifestyle. Just gunslinging. <laughs> the gunslinger, the, the literal gunslinger. Um, and so... I, I would love to be a Favre type, but unfortunately, I think there's just too much Rogers DNA in me. So no Tommy Copper for you. No Tommy Copper. Um, I do keep my beard a little stubbly. Um, I don't own any own any Wrangler jeans, but <laughs> now Paulie's spitting it, it all actually, over himself. Yeah, me spitting all yeah, over. I'm so sorry. Um, um, what I want is actually more sympathetic than I would have thought when I was when I first started this project. Though. Th- that's what I wanted to ask you because. What what I try to relate to to people in sports is listen when when you were trying when you were just saying to me when I was the catcher with the Dodgers and I got traded in two thousand four I was completely upset but I ended up realizing the guy that behind me was David Ross and the guy behind David Ross was Russell Martin so they weren't going to pay me so when you're on the same team it's almost like you're trying to learn from Favre yet. Rogers, listen, you're a competitor. You don't want Brett to do good so I can get in the game. So that kind of aspect, did that like, I mean, obviously that's got to be part of this, is a huge part of this, and that's a huge part of anything in sports. Like, you have to root for that person because it's a team concept, but you're sort of not rooting for that person. Did you feel like that happened between Favre and and Rogers? Oh, definitely. There, there was definitely an element of Rodgers feeling opportunistic if Favre was struggling like he did early on when Rodgers was there, where he was like, okay, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe, like, the message is clear. And, like, we're not ta- – I don't know how old you were when you were traded, but this at this point, Favre is, like, 37, mm-hmm. 38 you near know, the time that Rodgers takes over. So, you know, there's definitely an element of, especially, you know, 10, 15 years ago when you don't have quarterbacks playing at that high a level like we have now with Tom Brady – um, that it's it, it's sort of clear that like Rogers is seeing the opportunity because guys ahead of him, I mean Favre ahead right. of him, was not playing all that well. I don't think Rogers ever wished injury on Favre, no. but the yeah, fact is when Rogers right. arrived, the Packers doing well. They won a bunch of uh, NFC North titles. Like again, they didn't have a losing record. I think they went eight and eight in 1999. But yep. aside from that, it was always a winning record with Favre starting. And much to what you're talking about with having David Ross and, and Russell Martin behind you. By the way, what a catcher room. 
Paul yeah, Luca, right. It's David pretty Ross. good. Another guy in there, if anybody will remember, was named Geronimo Gill. He actually, uh, he actually caught uh, for the Orioles for a little bit. But that was all Mike Sosha. He, he made two of us catchers. He made Russell and I a catcher. That was the worst decision the Dodgers ever did. They let him go and let <laughs> they let all of them go to the Angel staff. And and they let you go. Oh, thank you. Um, well, Danny, last question I've got for you about the yeah. podcast, um, which new episodes, by the way, come out every Wednesday and Friday. So make sure you subscribe, download. It's, five it's stars. awesome, it's people. Wonderful it's podcast. awesome. Um, the last question I have is, do you find it I, somewhat ironic, knowing this story, that at this point in his career, Aaron Rodgers kind of turned into Brett Favre a little bit, No. Yeah, there are, there are definite elements of that. Matt Bleacher Report story came out a few weeks ago, and some of it was anonymously sourced. Some guys put their name on it, which I always do appreciate. Greg Jennings gave, gave some interesting quotes. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it, I mean, we, you look back at, like, the Super Bowl that Brett Favre had, and he was changing plays at the line, even though his coach was like, just play conservatively early on. And he ripped off huge plays, and Rodgers is doing similar things to that. And, you know, as Favre got older and it became more difficult for him to relate to players, he, like, went off into his own corner of the locker room, had his own chef. And, you know, there are stories about Rodgers sort of having his guys, and if you sort of cross him or if you're not fully on board or if, you know, like, there were players that were showing loyalty to Brett Favre when they played against each other. Favre or Rodgers completely cut them out of all communication. And I think it's just sort of there's part of it that it's a, it's a natural evolution of guys that as they get older and as they're crazy successful athletes, like they just become so single-mindedly focused and don't have time to just be a friend to everybody. And I get that from both Favre and yeah. Rogers perspective. Sure. Um, and even on the field, Rogers started off as sort of this by the book, you know, going through his progressions, going with what the playbook told him to do. And now you watch him and he's just like, in the huddle, changing everything, telling an offensive lineman to roll out with him this way, even though that's not in the game plan, and still just executing incredible plays. So, yeah, there's, there's definite overlap, but I think that sort of speaks to how successful each of them have been. Right. All right, so once again, the podcast is Sports Wars by Wondery, Blue Duck Media. Go download it. Subscribe. It's a great show. You will not be disappointed. You're going to love it. They've got other great stories in sports coming up, including – Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Mm, Lots of great rival, rivalries coming Russell, up. Russell Martin, Paul Duca. That what? one's coming, too. That one's oh coming, too. Oh, my God. Too. Um, That's lot of, too this, hot for podcasts. Actually, I think, it's, I think it's Mike Piazza and Paul Duca. There's a lot of heat there. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> I got a way better mustache than him. Sure do. All right, so, Danny, this is normally where I'd let you go, but I'm not going to let you go just yet. Yes. Did, did you already put it in there? Oh, my man. Um our producer Antonio just brought me another Diet Coke with vodka in it. Thank you. And he poured it in by himself. Thank you. What a gentleman. Um, Danny, I'd normally let you go here, but I'm not. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL draft, and I want to keep you on. So, obviously, sure. the first round of the draft is tonight. Kyler Murray is widely expected to be the number one overall pick to the Arizona Cardinals. Do you think there's any chance that doesn't happen? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance, you know, a team like the Raiders could swoop in. They have a, a ton of draft capital, and they're looking to sort of have a new face. Derek Carr is, looks to be not the guy in Oakland slash Vegas. So I could see a team like that swooping in and still taking Kyler number one. And, you know, Arizona has a ton of needs. And so if they're able to get, you know, drop down in the first, get a second and a third or something like that, I think it's it's possible. But in terms of what I think the favorite is, because – come on, this is the name of the show, I still think it's Kyler going mm. to Arizona number one. Okay, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, we've gone from this guy going to be the second 
uh, quarterback picked. He might be in the second round. What is going on? Why is he so topsy-turvy right now? I think it's sort of, you know, as the draft is, you know, imminent in the hours and the days leading up to it, I think it's just sort of smoke screening. I think uh, I'd be shocked if Dwayne Haskins either didn't go to a team in the top 10 or didn't see a team trade into the top 10 to grab him, a team like Washington. He is the clear one or two. I mean, if you can make the case for him as one, I'd be fine with that just because physically he is in a better place than Kyler Murray, who is, what, 5'10 and still pretty skinny. Dwayne Haskins, his ceiling is special. And the other two quarterbacks that are rumored to go in the top 10, 15, 20, Daniel Jones and Drew Locke, there are, there are a lot of good qualities to them, but I wouldn't include special in any of them. They didn't beat good teams. They didn't rise to the occasion in big moments. They were decent quarterbacks for decent teams, and I'm not going to put it past the NFL, who, let's see, was seven, eight years ago taking Christian Ponder, Jake Locker, and Blaine Gabbard in the first <laughs> round when every college fan looked at those three and said, I, but why? They stink. But why? You should get a bonus and I could, star I could for just bringing up Christian like, Ponder. Yeah. Yeah, um, I can see feeling like that about Locke and, and Jones. So, Danny, uh, do you, what's the biggest surprise you might think happening? You might see happening in the first round. Uh, I think you could see just a crazy run on defensive linemen and edge rushers early, just because there's so many big names, and all of a sudden, if, if you know Quinn and Williams goes off the board, one, two, three, whatever, Ed Oliver goes off real quickly. I, I could see some bigger names going off a little bit sooner. You know, the Dexter Lawrence types going off, Jeffrey Simmons going off pretty quickly, even with the torn ACL. Um, and I think it's going to be a shocker to a lot of people, but I, I, at this point I am in the camp with everybody else that just let running backs fall. And I think it's going to be a shock to people that Josh Jacobs might be the only running back taken in the top 50, 60, 70 picks. Mm. Wow. All right, Danny, thanks a lot for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Again, podcast, Sports Wars, go download it. Um, love you and enjoy your new haircut. Thank you. Love you too. Pleasure's all mine. All right, thanks, Danny. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. All right, Paulie. so we've talked a little bit of NFL draft. I think we've beat that thing into the ground as much as we can. Yes. Um, let's talk a little NBA playoffs because uh, a couple of nights ago we saw the Portland Trailblazers close out the Oklahoma City Thunder. Damian Lillard put on an all-time performance dropped 50 on the Thunder. They were down 12 with a few minutes left to play. They come back. They tie the game. Lillard hits a step-back three from about 30 feet with Paul George on him Mm -hmm. and then waves goodbye to the Oklahoma City Thunder. What are your thoughts on the Blazers, the Thunder, and how that, that series shook out? Well, I mean, it finally played out in Portland. It used to be a tough place to play in Portland, and it seemed like that had sort of gone away, but Damian Lillard, yeah, he took it upon himself. He took Russell Russell Westbrook upon himself to make sure that he was going to be the focus. And you're right, I mean, to hit shot after shot and basically a 45-footer over Paul George's head um, and drained it, waved bye-bye, and then stared at the camera when he was on the bottom of a pile so he knew exactly where everybody was at and he was going to let everybody know. And he wants to let everybody know that I went to a... um, a school called Weber State that plays NAU, where my beloved little cousin goes, um, which is up north, and never never got any run in, in, in any love in college, and he seems like he's never gotten much love in Portland, and if he played in another city, he'd be probably top two or three point cards in the league, and he just doesn't get it, and man, but he shows up in big games, and I tell you what, those last couple of games that he played... He put Russell Westbrook in uh, in his, in his place. Pocket. Yeah, he put him in his back he, pocket. He did right put there. him in his back pocket. He did. 
So the Blazers move on. They will get the winner of this Nuggets-Spurs series, which uh, we've got Game 6 tonight in San Antonio. I'll be honest with you, Paulie, i got no read on this series. I have series. no clue. The Nuggets for the first game and three quarters of the second game stunk, and then they somehow managed to come back and win game two off of Jamal Murray just going off in the fourth yeah. quarter. And then these teams have been kind of trading back and forth. Game six is in San Antonio. They're catching three. I lean to the Spurs in that spot. But, I mean, you, you got anything on this series? This is a tough one. No, I was looking at it right now. The total is 207.5, and, and San Antonio is minus three. And it seems like the public is on San Antonio. I mean, I guess it's the play. Listen, it's a do-or-die situation. tough at home. Yeah, and it's a do-or-die situation when you're down um, – two games to three, and it seems like pop. It seems like the coaches have played out. I know we'll get to the, the game last night with the Clippers and what job Doc Rivers has done. But when you get to the playoffs, the coaches do play out. So hopefully pop will, will draw something up. And it's a short number. It's a scary number. They want you to play San Antonio, I'll tell you that. All right, so you just mentioned last night, picked you up at the airport. Yeah, we sat up together. Last. We sat up together and watched the Clippers and Warriors. Yeah, uh, The Clippers – Win for the second time in this series, for the second time in Oakland. It's now a 3-2 series going back to L.A. Do the Clippers have any realistic chance of, I'm not even talking winning this series, of forcing a Game 7? Yeah. Why not? Really? Yeah, why not? Because they, they've won both games in Oracle, mm-hmm. which nobody thought. They haven't won at home. Lou Williams said it last night. we got to protect the house, which isn't even your house because the Lakers own it. I mean, it's a joke. Right. Okay. Um, Thanks for clearing up that joke. It's just being honest with you. The Lakers could be five in seventy-seven, and it's going to be the Lakers' house. It's just the bottom line. It's like it's like in New York, the the Yankees could lose a hundred games, the Mets could win a hundred games. It's still going to be the Yankee town. Yeah, we we know how Mets fans are, um, appearance-wise. But that's true. Listen, covered that last week. We don't need to do it again. <laughs> a lot of Irish bars out in Long Island. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Uh, the Clippers and the Warriors. Oh. Dude, yeah. Can the so Clippers force a game seven? So basically, they beat them with... Pick, they, Steph Curry, Worse. Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant got beat by Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams on the pick and roll the last two minutes of the game. That's who won the game. Lou Williams won the game, and they pick and rolled him to death. They, they got the big lead, and then uh, Golden State got... Uh, got the lead back late, and then Lou Williams decided to take the game over with an elbow jumper to put him up one, and then it was a nice pass to Harrell for for a dunk, and then Harrell had a giant block on a layup. Montrezl um, Harrell is he was a giant really last underrated night. player. He was giant last night, and he's been great this whole series. And Doc, that's what I love about Doc Rivers. When things are working, he left him on the floor. He comes off the bench and. And it was those two guys were picking and rolling, and they were scoring at will. And every punch that sort of Golden State threw at them, they came back. And like I told you last night, name another team in the West that's going to win two games against Golden State. Regardless whether the Clippers lose this series in the next game, winning two games, nobody thought that was going to happen, regardless whether Golden State had Boogie no, Cousins. No, and, and I think— Because Patrick Beverly couldn't outshoot my daughter. He can play some defense. Okay. But he can't hit yeah, it. Yeah, every jumper. time you see Patrick Beverly shooting a wide open three, it's ill advised. No, it's There's short. There's a reason he's wide open. It's short. Um, never up, never in. No, better. I mean, listen, I agree with you. I don't think the Spurs or the Nuggets present a real challenge to the Warriors to win two games. Portland, no Portland might get two. I mean, maybe um, if everything yeah, breaks maybe, right. Maybe, maybe. But the Clippers are doing a hell of a job, man. They are? I, I just, I just think that Golden State has these lapses where they they'll lose these games. 
and then so often the next game they bounce back and they're they're focused, they're oh, ready. I get it. I get and it. And that's I just they're on the road now. It's game six. I feel like I feel like Golden State comes out and just just takes the Clippers to the woodshed. Well, I, I get it. I mean, like Steve Kerr's uh, speeches that he has are just so inspiring. They're motivational, they're aren't they? Are. Hey, hey guys, um, this would be a good time to turn it up. This would be a good time uh, to maybe turn up the defense and. Uh, yeah. When we get the rebound, maybe we'll get it on transition and give it to like the seven best shooters we have in the league, and maybe one of those will hit a three. <laughs> yeah, we were watching the game last night, and they do the inside the huddle thing on TNT, and it was just—I thought he was I waiting mean, for somebody to putt on the ET. Literally, and, and, and his, his speech was was just in a straight monotone, like, "Hey guys, th- this would be a good time to like turn it up right now." Um, and but you know what? I mean, what is that? Do they need to hear it? It like, don't matter. I, it, does man. it matter who's coaching he's got that the, team? No, because he's got the vape pen on the side. It don't matter. We all it's know. California. It's legal. He'd listen. All right. So that's the Western Conference. Let's touch on the East a little bit. The matchups there set. We've got Philadelphia and Toronto, and Boston and Milwaukee. Okay. Let's start with the Celtics. Okay. Celtics sweep the Pacers. They look really good doing it. Honestly, the best they've looked all season. Yeah, without the Oladipo. Slow the roll. Any chance they beat the Bucks? I'm going to say no. Bucks None. Are, I'm, I, there's obviously a chance. You got Brad Stevens. They play good defense, but the Bucks are rolling. The yeah, bu- but the Bucks played the Pistons, who really stick. Okay, so now you're going to compare the Pistons to the, Pistons to the, to the Pacers without Oladipo? Yeah, the Pacers, I mean, the Pacers are way better than the Pistons. Yeah, it's true, I guess. Pistons stink. But here's my own problem. And Blake Griffin didn't even play Joel for Joel Embiid can't series. walk one day, and then we're the not next talking day about the Sixers yet. You, I thought you said you were talking about the Sixers. Celtics, Bucks. Oh, the Celtics. I already told you the Bucks are going to win. It's over. Go to the next series. Okay, moving on. Sixers, Raptors. Go Ooh. ahead, Joel Embiid can't no, walk. He couldn't walk one series, and he comes out, and he's he's Kevin Durant the next game. All right, so uh, Sixers Raptors, what do you what do you have there? What do you like? Oh, I know you're in love with Kawhi Leonard. You literally want to propose to Kawhi Leonard. No, yeah, I, you do. No, you I don't. Propound, pronounce your love for Kawhi Leonard now. Look, I think he's probably like the third best player in the NBA. But okay, who's the other two? LeBron and Durant. Don't um, say Durant. Mosquito bite, son of a bitch. Wow. All right. Um, your words. Um, I think he's probably like the third best player in the NBA, but I, and I like Toronto a lot. I do. I, I think they're deep. They've got a great bench, but I still like the Sixers. If Embiid is playing every game, if Embiid's not playing every game, this is, this is a waste of time. Like he has to be on the floor. This, yeah. this nonsense of him sitting two games out of five out, it has to end. Like the guy's got to be on the floor because otherwise Toronto is just too deep. But I think this series probably has seven games written all over it. And you're still sticking with the Sixers winning the East? I think the Sixers win the whole goddamn thing. Oh, my God. Whoa. You need little cl- clinical help. I think that is the best starting five in basketball when oh, they're JJ on the Re- Yeah, J.J. Redick. He scares me. Yeah, J.J. Redick should scare you. Why shouldn't he? Bre- break it down, okay? Ben Simmons, very good point guard. Okay. Terrible shooter, but he's a good point guard. Great, great point right? guard. Could not hit a shot. Okay. Uh, left-handed or right-handed, right, wherever com- he shoots. I don't even know what he shoots with. Does he shoot with both hands? Is he, is he shooting free throws with Rick Barry? I haven't watched him shoot but in a while. But compare it to the Warriors, right? Draymond okay. Green isn't a good shooter. Who's starting at the five for them now? Andrew Bogut? What is he, 42? He's- Off the Australian League? He can't shoot either. The Warriors have two guys that can't shoot. Who? I just told you, Bogut and Green. Yeah, they also got two guys who are the best shooters in the league. Okay, Tobias Harris is wildly three. underrated. Over 40% oh, wait, you mean the four three. points he had in game one? Jimmy Butler. 
Jimmy Butler. Tobias Harris had four points in game one. Joel Embiid will stretch them out. Yeah, I like the Sixers. The only thing Joel Embiid's stretching out are those friggin' feet of his. Be careful. Be careful. (laughs) Thought that was going somewhere else. Was not. All right, so. Stretch out that Achilles. That was NBA talk. Let's move on to the Stanley Cup playoffs because that's been a wild Oh, ride. that was really fun, having the under with the Vegas Knights. Paul, Paul listen, <laughs> listen, let's just, let's, just, let's just give the eulogy for the Vegas Knights right now. Uh, great season. Go home. You're um, up 3 nothing. Great Go season. Home. They were up 3-1 in that series. They lose game five on the road. They lose game six at home where Martin Jones for the Sharks made 59 saves. Game seven happens. They're up 3 nothing in the third period. A bad penalty call by the referee to yeah, give a five-minute major on Cody Eakin. It's a bad call. It shouldn't happen. The referee didn't see the play. He just said it looked bad. You can't give a major and eject a player on that. Having said that, and everyone knows my love for the Golden Knights, you can't give up four goals in five minutes. Like, what? That is a total and complete breakdown to give up four goals in five minutes. I don't care that you're shorthanded. They killed back-to-back penalties in the first period and barely gave up a shot. They gave up four goals in five minutes, still managed to force overtime. I got another one. Um, And then lose the game in overtime. Vegas deserved to lose that game the way they played. Um, Still a terrible call. But you made a great point this morning when we were talking Every division winner has been eliminated in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We have no division winners left it's after ins- the first round. Absolutely insane. Um, our own Lauren Joffe tweeted out. She said she went to the bathroom. They were up 3 nothing. She went, came out there down 4-3. Like, it was insane. And I it did this, was literally in the span of a few minutes. It real really time. was because I had played the game under 6. And uh, I came back and then... It was fourth. I could not believe yeah, you're it. You're going into the third period, two nothing. You're, and here's you're the thing. golden. I didn't even call you, and I even told you last night. I was like, I'm gonna let this one sit on Blackjack's mind for a couple days. No, he's fine. He's in a bad place. Yeah, we're in a bad place. See how good of a friend I am. You're the best. See, I, I waited a couple days before I consoled in you to say that the Black Knights suck. They're the Golden Knights. It's not Army. <laughs> oh, sorry. The Army did cover. Woohoo! Buried Houston. And listen, I'm gonna say this. I think San Jose wins the Western Conference at this point. <clears throat> I thought whoever won that game wow. was going to win the Western Conference. You're I think San Jose is the best team left in the West. I'm not a buyer on the on the Stars. I'm certainly not buying the Avalanche. St. Louis, tough, but San Jose to me is the best team left in the West. Let me ask you a quick question. Please. You'd like to own a ticket on the New York Islanders, wouldn't you? Yeah, kind of would. Kind of would because, I, I, the, listen, the Capitals are gone. The Lightning are gone. <laughs> the Maple Leafs are gone. The Islanders... Are getting? Are they like second or third choice to win this now? I mean, they've got to be. I haven't seen the updated odds this morning, but the Islanders, the Islanders now will only have to go on the road to Boston should they play them in the conference finals. Boston's getting Columbus. The Islanders are getting Carolina, which is a great matchup for them. Mm-hmm. The Islanders' defense is the best in hockey, bar none. I, I, I think the path is really there for them. It's awesome. What do you think John Tavares is doing right now? Um, counting his money in Toronto? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I mean, listen. He might be a Woodbine today. Listen, he should be bitter. I mean, he should be pissed off. You left this team, presumably because you didn't think they were really going to do anything. Last year he was there. They stunk. They hired Barry Trotz. And now all of a sudden they go from the worst defense in hockey to the best defense in hockey. He's eliminated and they're in the second round. 
I mean, you know, sometimes shit happens. I don't know. Some other people in New York should realize that trade a superstar to get a, a good team. Hetz, the Mets should have traded David Wright about five years ago. He's a good friend of yours. And listen, and I said it five years ago. Wow. And they've treaded backwards since. Sometimes you got to let go. Yikes. Sometimes the, some, turn. sometimes the play's over, Blackjack. Wow. All right, Paul LaDuca cutting bait. Um, all right, so th- talk to me. The Stanley Cup playoffs, what do you have now in the finals? What do you think? Where, where are you putting your money me? on a future ticket? If I had a future ticket right now? Yeah, right now. I'd probably go Columbus. Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. They're playing Boston. They're going to get whacked. Exactly, and I hate everybody from Boston. Jesus so I'm rooting Christ. for Columbus. People in Boston are going to really start to dislike no, you. No, they don't the dislike last couple me. Of the weeks problem is, is like everybody in New York City is a Bruin fan. It's crazy. They're the Island fan or a Bruin fan. Like, oh, Bruins this, Bruin that. Everybody I know is a Bruin fan. I'm tired of, of everybody raising up a banner in Boston. Okay. I mean, uh, all right. Fair enough. The Columbus Clippers haven't raised up a ban, banner in a, in a long time. Okay. There's nothing in Columbus. You ever been to Columbus? No. You can get a good hamburger. That's about it. Let me tell you something. I have no interest in going to Ohio. Ohio stakes. I'll tell you what. You're wrong. Ciota Downs, maybe one of the best OTBs you'll ever go to. You're giving us advice on OTBs? Listen, this is like, listen, you want to learn how to bet horses or go gamble? Go to Ciota Downs. I don't need to go to Ciota Downs in Ohio. Columbus. To go to an OTB to bet on horses. I could go to the Race Palace in Syosset and Mm -hmm. hang out with Mike Mm -hmm. Francesa. You know what? Next, next, that's true. And And you can watch Mike give free tickets out to the waitresses. Here, what you should do... Is in Ooh. in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, I'm telling you, it is legit OTB, legit. Or you can go to like Thistle Downs or. I think it's funny how I I have a burgeoning feud with Ohio. You've got one with Boston. We're gonna we're just turning turning cities off on this I podcast don't have a left feud. and right. Here's the problem: I don't have a feud with Boston because Boston fans and Met fans get along. Because what do we yeah, have in common? We all hate the Yankees. Exactly. Right. It's the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Whatever you said. Yeah, I thought that that might put you in a pretzel. All right, so. Listen, I went to Arizona State. You only need a heartbeat, okay? In the words of, in the words of our own Matt Mitchell, Arizona State is one of the top 12 schools in the Pac-12, so. It is. It was. But, so. but when I went there, we were the Pac-10, so he needs to do research. Right. Yeah, you know what? You're right. There you do go. Do your research. Well, actually, to be honest with you, let's go this way. We were the six-pack. Oregon, Oregon State didn't even have teams. Okay, all right. That's enough history with Paul LaDuca. There you go. Um, let's move on to everyone's favorite time of the week, story time. What? Pauly has... No. What do you mean, no? The Derby's coming up. We got another show next week. Oh, we do? Every week. Forever. I didn't know we were signed on to this for another week. We're signed on to this indefinitely. Gosh, why did I come back to New York? <laughs> Let's go to story time with Paul LaDuca. Paulie has a gem today that will take us back to his youth and a 12-year-old Paul LaDuca being thrown in racetrack jail. Paulie? Uh, always start it with another true story. Um, used to go to the racetrack. Obviously, this is my f- reason why the love I have for the races and been covering him for the last 11 years. I've actually been blessed to be covering him for the last 11 years. Um, so... I'm 12 years old um, at the time, and my father owned a restaurant called the NFL Sports Pub. Um, 
And what my father used to do is what you see on Bar Rescue is is what he used to do. He used to like fix restaurants and stuff like that. So he owned one of the best. Uh, was he fixing restaurants or families? As John Taffer does both. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. He was. He also part, saved the have entire to be, island of Puerto Rico. You have to be part psychiatrist. Okay. Because and most of the time, in, if families like we were a family business, family businesses are hard to run together. Yeah. And this was in Arizona, right? This in Arizona. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. So we're about two miles away from Turf Paradise, and my dad was an old school, very lenient person, so he would let guys run tabs at bars. So a guy sat at the end of the bar named Tom. He was there all the time, and he would pay his tab. And then there was a jockey, and his tab kept getting up there, up there, up there. And my dad would let it run for like a month, and after about a month and a half, he had told him, like, listen, man, you got to like pay me something on this tab – or give me a horse, give me something, like, give me a tip. Well, you know what's going on. So the guy goes, "All right, man, I got one for you. Uh, we're gonna plug him in." Um, my dad goes, "What?" He goes, "But we got to work the horse first and see if the buzzer will work." So I'm like, a little bit of twelve, um, hearing about this because I used to hang about the bar because it used to be a Pac-Man machine and a Donkey Kong machine right by the bar. So I always used to hear hearsay here now. Which one were you better at? Um, Pac-Man. I, I think I, I, I ended up finding out all the pa- patterns on Pac-Man. Of course you did. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Fucking Rain Man. I didn't, I didn't go to school. Um, so now, about two days later, he comes back to the bar and tells my dad, we're good to go. I'll never forget the name of the horse. The name of the horse was Sweeter Day. Um, so my dad cuts me out of class. I love you, Mom. Um... And we go to the racetrack. He's got $2,000 in his pocket. The horse is 15 to 1 on the morning line. And he's like having just the worst ulcers he's, he's, he's had. He, he used to eat before. Tag, tagament before used to be a prescription. Now you can get it or vice versa. I forget how it is. But he used to chew them by the dozen. Yeah. And he's throwing up, throwing up at the restaurant. And I'm like, Dad, it's like we got to get to the racetrack. So we get to the racetrack. He can barely walk up the stairs. So he's going into the bathroom upstairs, and he's just keeled over the toilet. Well, now it's like 12 minutes, 10 minutes to post. And back in those days, um, they had security cards on, on lock, and there used to be a red line that was 15, 20 feet. From the bedding window. Yeah, from the bedding window. And you could not approach the bedding window. Now, if you were under 18. Yeah. Yeah. Now they let you go up there with like your daughter or whatever. They let you bet. They don't care anymore. There's no security guards. There's none of that. Right. So it's now seven minutes, six minutes, five minutes. My dad's not coming out of the bathroom. And I'm just looking up, looking up. And the horse is like 12, 13 to one. So I just run into the bathroom and my dad just give me the money. He's like, I'm not giving you the money. Give me the money. So now I go get the, I get the money, I get 2,000. So now I'm trying to look for somebody over 18 that looks trustworthy that will put the bet down for me. So you're 12 years old with $2,000 in your hand in cash. Yes. And you're looking to bet a horse. I'm trying to find somebody over 18 to bet the horse. Okay. And it's just like very crowded day, like on a Saturday. Um, this one racetracks were really full, especially to Paradise. And I just like was like trying to find somebody. I remember asking a guy, and the guy looked at me like a little crazy. I'm like... Um, and then he was like, do you have the 2000? I was like this. And I'm like, I can't give this guy 2000. I don't know if he's going to give me the ticket back, this and that. So they start loading the horses in 
and it's like one through seven. And, you know, when you watch so many races, you know, and the bell's about to go off. Yep. So the 11 horse goes in. So I just ran up to the window, and I go, give me 2000 to win on the seven. And the lady punched a ticket, and she goes, wait a second, you're way too young. And then when she went to, like, put the thing back in, it went off. The bell went off. Right. So, so now the, the ticket's ticket live. Had, the ticket had popped out of the auto-tote machine. So for her to cancel it, she's got to put it back in, Correct. hit all these bu- buttons to cancel. But as soon as the bell goes off, can't do it. Katie by the door. Okay, so where was the ticket when she when the ticket pops out of the machine? What'd you do? I took it and put it in my pocket. And then what happened? I got handcuffed. By whom? Racetrack security. You're not you're not getting handcuffed by a cop. Okay. It's racetrack security. They have handcuffs. So tell us what happens after you get handcuffed. Well, my father's ulcer went completely away when the horse won by seven. Um, now I'm holding a twenty three thousand dollar ticket in my pocket, and. I can hear my dad come running out going, where's the ticket? Where's the ticket? And I'm like, it's in my left pocket. And he grabs it out of my left pocket. Now he's holding the ticket. And now did they take you somewhere when they handcuffed you? Well, whatever you want to call racetrack jail is down there (laughs) at Turf Paradise. I went down to this thing and it's just like the security guard, um, this other guy and the teller. Now this poor lady is responsible for 24,000 because it's on her till because you got to understand a lot of tellers gamble they punch their own tickets and sometimes they can be short you know if they don't get tipped or whatever sure. um so my dad's basically saying you got to give me the 24,000 like i have the he's ticket right here yeah. he's holding the ticket which in 2019 wouldn't happen this would not be no happening. chance they're cashing that ticket but in 2019 they, they gave my father the money um and i'll never forget we walked outside, and my dad waited for like two hours. My mom must have called, I don't know how many times, 40 times. And we're lying because we're not supposed to be at the track. And, but, school day. School day. <laughs> I, think my, I think my dad might have dropped, uh, like Paul had extracurricular activities. I had to like go like uh, hit some extra hit ball, uh, golf balls. I was playing on the golf team at the time. And uh, he... Uh, Waited and gave the woman six thousand. She lost her job. She came out of Turf Paradise crying, and my dad said, "I'm like, it was by chance that you pun- you punched that ticket. I can't believe they gave us the twenty four thousand, and he gave her six thousand. And I remember she got she cried. She goes, this is more I'll ever make punching tickets here. Thank you so much.' So she was happy. Look at that, Senor Laduca doing the right thing there. Too. But my picture was on the wall, and I was banned for Turf Paradise from twelve till I was like eh, eighteen. And then you abandoned the car there one time. Yeah, it's in a ditch somewhere there. there. All right, so that's Paul getting arrested at Turf Paradise. Really kind of lays the groundwork for a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, you just put a lot of things into perspective. Thanks a lot, Blackjack. No problem, buddy. All right, feels like it's a good time of any to end this. Thank you for listening to The Favorites by the Action Network. Uh, Make sure you go and subscribe, download... Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, slash The Action Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, love you. Love you.